Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Mizutani here on Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Vikings five days out from their London game against the Saints. Uh, Dane, though, I do want to look back a little bit on that Detroit game. Not so much of, like, what happened, but maybe what didn't happen. Uh, and this is something that I think it's kind of alarming, but Lewis seen Harrison Smith's out. It looks like all week Kevin O'Connell says, okay, Josh Metellus, Lewis seen. We're going to see these guys split snaps at that position. And it did not play out that way. Josh Metellus gets all the reps at safety. Lewis seen only sees special team snaps. What was your takeaway from that? Because this was a first-round pick who now here in week three, the team still didn't feel comfortable taking the defensive snaps. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. I, I, I'm not ready to declare Lewis Cena bust by any means. It's three weeks into his what could be a long NFL career. Um, but it's not a good sign. Um, Josh Metellus has been a special teams er, special teams ace for the, the Vikings for the last couple of seasons. That is kind of where his production has stopped, and it's because he hasn't been good enough to play ahead of certain guys um, at the safety position. So when he's beating you out and you're a first-round rookie, uh, that's that's concerning to me. The fact that Harrison Smith, who's an established veteran, uh, you know, one of the heartbeats of the of the defense, is beating Lewisine out in, in training camp, like obviously, duh. The fact that Cam Bynum beat Lewisine out in training camp. Like, I get it. He he has a year of NFL experience under his belt. He's played quite well in, in his time when he's been in the starting lineup, when he's been on the field. But when a guy like Josh Metellus is beating Lewis Cena, uh, I think that that speaks to how green he still is in his development uh, and how much more he has to grow to, to, to be an impact player. I don't think the Vikings are hiding Lewis Cena. I think they don't think he's ready for the moment. Um, and the fact that they didn't think that on Sunday kind of leads me to believe that, that we might not see a lot of him this year. Um, if Josh Metellus is ahead of him now, he had a pretty good game on Sunday. Like I, I don't see Lewis seen passing him anytime soon, really. Yeah. It's interesting because it doesn't, it seem like, like maybe this is why safeties don't go so early in the draft because like a guy like Josh Metellus can come in and, and play well. Um, it really seems like safety is just a spot where you just have to learn the game. And once you know the game and once you know where to be, like you can be serviceable there. And certainly there are better athletes than others um, who can play the position at an even higher level. But like it's not hard to be serviceable at safety. I think we've seen enough guys just come in. um, You know, you just sign somebody uh, like Andrew Sandejo was signed here like three seasons in a row seemingly and just filled right in like because it's not Anthony Harris. Same same thing with Anthony Harris. Cam Bynum was a cornerback last year in the draft and switched to safety. No, you're right. hundred percent. Yeah, and so you find like a you draft like a Kyle Hamilton or a Lewis Seen to be like, yeah, but we think that can be a generational one. Um, we think that we can have one of the best safeties in the NFL, and maybe Lewis Seen gets there, but obviously isn't there yet. And it is just kind of a thing where it's like, okay, was Lewis Seen the right pick there? I don't know, um, but that's the route they went to go. Frankly, uh, I think a lot of people still wonder what would have happened had they held on to their original pick and not traded with Detroit, but. Let's look here at the other picks because obviously like one draft class, it we know we're not really judging it through three weeks, but almost kind of like a stock report of where these guys are. Um, 10 picks after Lewis seen Andrew Booth, 
<clears throat> obviously I haven't seen him yet with the injury. Uh, I am interested in, I kind of want to talk about him a little bit more later, but like, can't make any judgment there. Obviously you'd like to see the guy on the field, <laughs> but like, you know, some people liked what he was doing in training camp, but then the injury, we just, it's a big incomplete right there. Yeah. He's someone who throughout training camp got rave reviews for his competitiveness, how he was getting into Justin Jefferson's grill and how he was arguing with, with Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne after, either pass breakups or receptions the other way. Um, you like that competitiveness, but I am concerned about injuries with this guy. Like he has three different injuries since he arrived on the Vikings roster right. in, in OTAs. Um, one of the injuries, I guess you can give him a pass from, it was the sports hernia surgery that he had entering um, the draft. So partially why he fell, but I think injury history is something that that we should think about with, with Andrew Booth. Um, right. Sometimes I think guys get a bad rap, like like Dalvin Cook, for example. Like, is he injury prone? Like, kind of, but he's not like someone who I, I think a lot of people with Dalvin Cook think he's a guy who misses like 10, 15 games a year. Like, he misses a couple of games here and there. Um, so I think sometimes an injury prone label can be unfair. Um, but with Andrew Booth, I think it's totally fair. Um, he has not played very much, if at all. Um, throughout the preseason and and now three games into the regular season because he can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. Yeah, that's when we're like, Andrew Booth would have been a first-round pick if he didn't have any injury history. And so then when you get a guy in the second round, everybody's like, what a steal. We got this guy this late just because of the injury history. Um, but you have to understand that there is a risk that goes with that. Uh, and the risk maybe will be fighting the Vikings. We don't know. Maybe Andrew Booth comes back plays a lot this year, doesn't have that much in terms of injuries throughout his career, and it ends up being a big boom pick. Uh, but, like, we already see the potential downside of injury risk. Like, fans, you want to ignore it when your team drafts a player. A team wants to just celebrate that they got a talent so late. But, like, everybody else isn't dumb for paying attention to injury history. Like, it's part of the equation, and right now it's not working out in Minnesota's favor. Yeah, I mentioned it the other day, like, uh, you know, when I was in the Charlotte airport, and you maybe nobody can hear me, but, like, Andrew Booth said in one of his first press conferences with the Vikings, yeah, I don't really feel like I've been that healthy since high school. Like, that's not good. You played like three years of college at Clemson. So uh, he he even seems to realize like, yeah, he gets banged up here and there. Again, like you said, it's early. It's three weeks in. Maybe in week 16, week 17, we're looking at Andrew Booth like, okay, he's he's pretty good. He's He's been on the field ever since week four. Um, be interested to see if he can play this week. He, he's been a guy who's just not practicing with the quad injury. Um, it doesn't feel quite as extreme as like Daniel Hunter's tweak, but uh, Kevin O'Connell really said, oh, Andrew Booth, he's, he's working really hard to get, get back on the field, and we haven't seen him practice in two weeks. So that quad injury is probably a little worse than, than they're leading on. Ed Ingram, uh, the late second-round pick at guard. Certainly we've he won the job in training camp. Uh, we've seen him through three games now. Um, probably not like the worst card in the NFL, but I don't think he's been, uh, too good versus the eye test versus pro football focus grades. Um, he just kind of is what he is. Like we said, just because you beat out Jesse Davis doesn't mean you're a good NFL guard. And I think that's kind of proven to be the case. Not to say can't get there, but I certainly had not had my socks knocked off by, uh, Ingram's performance. No, he, he, he gets <clears throat> the passing grade, I think, or the, the excitement from Vikings fans because, the story for two, three years has been who's going to play right guard. And, and now, you know, Eddie Ingram's going to play right guard for the Vikings. Um, he's been fine. Um, he, he moves some guys in the run game. He struggles a little bit in pass pro. I think he's going to be 
not the worst person on that offensive line this year. So that's, I guess, an improvement. Um, but I don't think we're, we should be ready to, to give him the gold jacket yet, which is kind of the hype it felt like he was getting in training camp. I think if you're giving him a grade, it'd be like a C minus. Um, like, yeah. I mean, he's not been good. I don't want to frame it like, well, he's, he's been okay. Um, he really hasn't been. Uh, Brian Asamoa, a late third round pick at linebacker. Uh, we've seen like, hey, he's already pushed himself into like special teams duties and whatnot. Um, I think that pick has potential. Yeah, he, he flies around. Um, you saw him make a big play the other day, um, just kind of shot out of a can and made a, made a tackle. I think it was on punter kickoff. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine. It, he, he shouldn't be playing right now. I think that's something we talked about in, in training camp. Um, he flies around with so much reckless abandon. I think that leaves, if he does miss a tackle on defense, it leaves room for, for gaping holes for the offense the other way. Um, I think he has potential as a, as a good linebacker in this league. Um, incomplete grade. We can't grade him yet. What do you think of Caleb Evans? Uh, he's been a little more necessary than anticipated, um, and that could continue to be the case. Um, frankly, he's like one injury away from a major role, and frankly, he's like more inconsistency and struggles from others away from a role. Um, just in the little bit we've seen of him, what have you thought of Caleb Evans? Yeah, he's long and he's rangy, which is was a intriguing from a cornerback position um talked to him a few times in in preseason training camp and his demeanor is you know he he really thinks he's one of the best corners in on the team which is one good but two like not surprising from the cornerback position that's kind of the the mentality you, you see from a lot of these guys also I think not a high does, bar yeah no kidding um i see a lot of potential in in him um i think he's someone who probably will have you know, a prominent role on this team for better or for worse by, by the end of the season, um, partially because of his talent, partially because of the lack of talent elsewhere. So like uh, we could go through the rest of the guys, but I don't really think it's worth it. Like we like tie chain in preseason to. and whatnot, but I just kind of wanted to like, it's easy to go, okay, Lucene's not playing and Andrew Booth isn't playing. So this draft stunk uh, for Coise Adolfo but You've got Ed Ingram who's playing. We've got Brian Asamoah who's contributing. You've got Caleb Evans who's contributing on a smaller basis. But, like, I, so how do you think right now that it looks like this class is stacking up through these first five picks, the most influential likely picks? Um, some contributors, some guys who aren't. Um, but I just think where, where the team is at, like, you wanted to win this year, but you're also trying to build a base for the future, ideally, as this team kind of ages out. I don't. I didn't like it in that I don't think they drafted that many impact position guys, but uh, I don't know. What what do you think of the, of this class right now and, and what it is and what it can be? I mean, I think it's unfair to say the draft class is bad because it's too early, but right. I think the point is like we can get the Kyle Hamilton kind of narrative kind of out of this, out of the way real quick. Like, I love him. I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. He doesn't even start for Baltimore. Like he made a really good play in the Patriots game. He forced a fumble on Nelson Aguilar, won the game for the Ravens basically. Uh, but he played like 50% of snaps on defense in week one and two. And I think he only had like 16 defensive snaps in week three. So he doesn't play a ton either. Um, so I, I think that speaks more to like the safety position as a whole and how you can kind of get production elsewhere it doesn't have to be the star rookie coming in right away um same with lewisine um just because he hasn't it doesn't play right now doesn't mean he's not going to be good but for a team that wanted to be very competitive right away like i think you wanted to draft a more impact player 
I don't know what that position looks like. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a pass rusher. Maybe it's another cornerback. Like I, I, you know, I have to go back and look at the actual board. I know Kyle Hamilton stood out, stood out at the time. I know there were players there. I know some people were intrigued by the, you know, our, our receiver. You know, I don't think the Vikings really needed that. Maybe it would I will counter that. I will counter that in a sec. Go ahead. Okay. Um, you, the, what I will say is like, you do see first round rookie receivers dominating at this point in time. Like it's, it's never been better to be a young receiver in the game. Like you can assimilate to the league and, and latch on very quickly. Um, I'll let you kind of handle that part, but like, yeah, like you, you drafted a safety and whether Lewisine was going to start from, from day one, or it's going to take him a, you know, basically a red shirt year. Like how much impact is Lewisine really making, you know, on, on, on a winning football team. Um, there's a lot of holes on this team. I don't think safety was one of them. I don't think it was like a glaring need. Um, and as we've seen through three weeks now, like there, there are glaring needs on this team. And then there are things that, that probably could have been improved via the draft. Um, not ready to call this draft class bad or dra- this draft class no. the bust yet, but like, yeah, I, I think it leaves a little bit to be desired right now. Yeah, I just wanted to get into it because I think some people probably do feel pretty bad about it when they don't see either the top two picks playing and editing room has been meh. Um, you know, you haven't seen a ton from other guys, but I do think like there are there's potential for progress and potential for this to end up being a good class with like five or six contributors. Like we'll see. Um, I want to get into the receiver thing because obviously the Vikings traded away the 12th pick to Detroit. Um, and I will say like right off the bat, you know, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, those guys were all gone. Uh, they were off the board, the three guys who are contributing at the highest level right now. Jahan Dotson's had like three touchdowns through two weeks, but not huge yardage totals or catch totals. Uh, but like Jamison Williams, and I get he hasn't played yet, and maybe that would have went against like this whole like um, thing of trying to win now, but it was always expected Jamison Williams was going to miss about half of this season for Detroit. Uh, but when he does come back, what he did in college and the player he looked like he would be, I mean, I, I don't think many people doubt he would have been the number one receiver taken in the draft, if not for the ACL. Like he's, he's incredibly explosive. He's just that kind of talent really has the potential to be an elite, elite guy. I think what we're seeing right now from the Vikings suggests that maybe taking a wide receiver, taking a shot on a Jamison Williams, even halfway through the season would have been worth it. Um, because like, look at these teams right now, like the teams who have like one elite wide receiver. Like, what are we seeing more and more of? Like, we're seeing Justin Jefferson get, uh, you know, the number one corner and safety help over the top and saying, like, somebody else beat us. We're seeing that happen to Devontae Adams in Vegas. Um, after his dominant week one, he's been held, I think, below, like, 50 yards each of the next two weeks, just like Justin Jefferson. Like, teams are kind of saying, like, okay, we're not going to let this guy dominate us, make your other guys beat us. And in the past for the Vikings, that wouldn't have been a problem. But Adam Thielen's not dominating anymore. Adam Thielen is just beating blitzes by going to a spot on the field when, like, when when his side of the field gets evacuated by the blitz, then he pops up eight yards and that's it. Uh, KJ Osborne had made really a couple really nice plays um, on at the end of the game Sunday, but before that has been a ghost, uh, like really a non-impact player. Like they don't have another dominant guy. Uh, and as much as we like to build up KJ Osborne, I don't know if he's going to be that dominant guy. Meanwhile, you have teams like. Philly, they had Devonta Smith. He was great last year. They had A.J. Brown. Now it seems like you have to pick your poison. And A.J. Brown dominated week one, and Devonta Smith dominated the two weeks since. Uh, Miami, like Jalen Waddle was great. They had Tyreek Hill. You just can't pick on guys. You can't just take one guy out because the other guy will crush you. Um, I kind of think that's the new wave of offense, and I think Minnesota missed out on a chance to have 
two guys, dominant guys of their own that would leave the offensive success for years to come, kind of regardless of quarterback, because like right now we're seeing it like Jalen Hurts was not thought of as a great passing quarterback. But when you have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, it's pretty easy uh, Tua Tungvaloa, not thought of as a great passing quarterback. But when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, it's pretty easy. So, like, I, I do think maybe they missed out there, but we'll see what James Williams turns into. Yeah, and I guess to that point, like you gave them to Jamison, you gave the Lions Jamison Williams. They have a Monroe right now, a Monroe St. Brown. And so right. you might have given them a tandem that you have to deal with for the next 10 years. So, uh, yeah, it, it remains to be seen about this draft class, but it, it there just seems like there was maybe a better option there when, when you were on the clock before you traded back in, in the first round. We'll see. Um, I don't know. Lewis scene right now is still pretty concerning to me. Um, we'll see how he turns out. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play anytime soon. So I think like this game was a pretty good indication. Like we're not seeing Lewis seen anytime soon this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was it for kind of a rookie stock report here. As we head moved into week four of the NFL season, Viking saints on Sunday, we're going to come back next two segments of the show, kind of address maybe the concerns with this team through three weeks. Uh, it's a two and one team that certainly has issues and our potential remedies for how we think Minnesota can improve throughout the year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back with Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick, Dane Tony on Odyssey's Vikings podcast. Uh, looking ahead to Vikings week four <clears throat> matchup in London against the Saints. We'll do a full preview in Thursday's episode. Until then, uh, Dane, this is a two-in-one team, and I think in a lot of ways people feel great about the Vikings from that respect. Um, you know, you're tied for the division lead. You have the tiebreakers. There aren't that many good teams in the NFC. So, like, you know, if you're two-in-one, you're looking like you're set up in a good position to – be a playoff team. Uh, but yet I do think a lot of people see the struggles like, and maybe the shortcomings of this group right now and where it's at. Uh, there are multiple ways to see that. Uh, ESPN has like, you know, their, their estimated points added on offense and defense. And you can see charts of like, where do every team rank? And the Vikings are the only two and one team in the NFL with negative estimated points added on <laughs> offense and defense. So like there's a chart and all the bad defenses are on the left, all the bad offenses are on the bottom. And the only team, and it's pretty close to average, like they're almost zero for both of them, but they are negative. The only two and one team in the bottom left quadrant um, is your Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I, I think people kind of see that in the sense of like, I asked on Sunday, I put out a poll and I said like, what grade would you give this team right now, given everything you've seen? Uh, and 58% of people said C. And 34% said B, 7% said D. I didn't put F as an option. That's not fair for a two and one team. And only 1% said A, um, which, which frankly, like at the start of the year, if you saw the schedule, you'd say two and one, I'd be like, great. It's a really good start. Uh, but I think just the way we've seen it and the concerns, like it's obvious they're there and people see that like a C is about what you give it this team every year for the last five, six years. Um, so like it looks the same, um, but and also, I guess, like the NFC teams, yes, there aren't many good ones right now, but like that's going to change by the end of the year. Some teams are going to get better and you're going to be like, wow, they're better than we thought. And so that's the Vikings path too. I think like who, 
how are they going to be a team where it's like, okay, here's what they look like now, but by week 17, you're like, this is a good team. Uh, so what's the path to success? But first you have to you know, diagnose the issues and then you can come up with the antidote. So let's start out offensively. And this was a group that I think, you know, we thought could be like a top 10, top five offense. And it has not been that um, 28 points last week even was deceiving. Uh, it struggled for many parts of the game against a poor defense, specifically the passing game, Dane. Um, how would you fix this? Kirk, Justin Jefferson isn't getting the ball enough. Uh, it, you know, the other guys, frankly, are struggling to be make big impact plays. Like what's your antidote for what kind of ails this offense, specifically the passing offense? I would simply get Justin Jefferson the ball more. And and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, um, but Kevin O'Connell talked yesterday. Uh, Justin Jefferson played 72 offensive snaps, all of them, on Sunday against the Lions. Kevin O'Connell estimates after watching the film back, he was double-covered or bracketed or had another guy besides the safety and help more than 60 of those snaps. So I think he said eight or nine times Justin Jefferson was singled up. Well, I think on those eight or nine times, like the ball just goes to him, no matter what, um, you, you know, I guess if it's a run play whatever, like if, if it's a pass play and he's singled up, I think you almost force feed him the ball. I also think like, it's okay to get him the ball on like a, you know, like a tunnel screen or like a, you know, in space, like a swing route, move him around. Like, you know, you saw it in, in week one against the Packers. How did they score on that fourth and one play? They motioned Justin Jefferson in the backfield kind of like how the Green Bay Packers have used Devontae Adams for the past decade. And they got him the ball basically behind the line of scrimmage and let him kind of run just free into the end zone. I think there are creative ways to get your best player the ball, even if it's not down the field. Don't let that double team, don't let that safety help over the top come into play. It's not like Justin Jefferson's getting the Calvin Johnson treatment where they just used to put three guys on him and be at the line of scrimmage and say, like, beat three guys and press man. Like he's just getting help over the top or help over the middle. So I think you can, you can hit him with quicker routes. Um, just, just something to get him the ball in space. Um, I think that's where your offense is going to kind of falter moving forward. Like, yes, they put up 28 points the other day against the Detroit lions, but 14 of those points were in the fourth quarter when it, it was kind of frantic. I don't think you can bank on that moving forward. I also don't think you can bank on an Adam Thielen who, like we've talked about, it has taken a step back. A KJ Osborne, who was invisible before his two 28-yard catches. I think the identity of this offense is and is going to continue to be Justin Jefferson. So get him the ball. Figure out creative ways to get him the ball in space. Um, don't just accept, oh, he's being doubled. We're going to just give the ball to, you know, Justin Jefferson's being doubled. So that means Adam Thielen or KJ Osborne or Irv Smith are open. Like, no, find ways, creative ways to get him the ball. That's why Kevin O'Connell was brought to town. Yeah. Um, you talked about like the motion of what worked against Green Bay. I will give like Detroit and Philly credit. Like they were just, they were just having that guy go like the corner run with Justin Jefferson. It wasn't like all the passing off that Green Bay did, which led to a lot of confusion and a lot of wide open wide receivers. Um, and frankly, like Minnesota diced that up because like Green Bay was just losing guys. Uh, like it was Jeff Okuda. Like if Justin Jefferson ran in motion, Jeff Okuda went in motion. Um, and, you know, so they consistently kept that coverage there, which I think took some of that away. But I do think you're right. Like, okay, there are more like, eight to 10 yard routes where you can get Justin Jefferson, the ball in the middle of the field. That's where like the bracket coverage isn't going to come into play as much. Justin Jefferson can win there, get the ball and then see what he can do with it. Yeah. You might not be able to hit like the, okay, 40 yard crossing route, you know, across the middle of the field for a big play, 
but there are other ways to just make sure that he's constantly staying within the offense. Um, and now, okay, if you're hitting that again and again, then maybe you're going to get them to bite and find something deeper for Justin Jefferson later. This sounds dumb, but like the biggest issue that's been diagnosed that I've noticed like in these past two weeks is teams blitzing up the middle like the Vikings get destroyed. Uh, they, they just have had no solution for it. And Kirk Cousins, I think it's really like created a little bit of panic in his mind, like the happy feet of whether the pressure's there, like when it's coming, it's just get rid of this thing as quickly as possible. And it's led to some bad decisions. And then even when it's not coming like, it's still in your mind to some degree. That's where I think he deserves credit for kind of flushing that out of his mind when there was no pressure on the final drive of the game. Um, and certainly he did not have happy feet there. He stood in there and he delivered, he made the throws. Uh, but like teams are going to keep coming up the middle because it's just, it's an obvious success formula right now against this offense. So here's my pitch. Leave somebody back there to help protect and have it be CJ Ham. You're just gonna, gonna bring go, him in and pass pro all, yeah, all, all day. Pass yeah, pro, especially in obvious pass situations, like you know, like the running backs and checkdowns. We've seen it's not that successful anyway. Who's to say CJ Ham can't do that just kind of as well? And when he has to stick in there, how many times do we see a running back? Okay, I'm sitting in here. I'm the running back. I saw this happen like in many games Sunday. The guy just gets run over anyway, um, and so it hardly does anything. It's like, well, we had a guy there and he got beat. Put in a guy who actually blocks. Like, let's have some CJ Ham take on some blitzes up the middle and be like, okay, he can actually stuff this so we can continue the play versus like, there's Dalvin Cook. Oh, he got beat. Oh, Kirk, run. Like, I mean, I just think like in some of these situations, third and seven, third and eight, if we all know what's coming, if we all see what's coming and Kirk's not going to address it at the line of scrimmage, maybe have some personnel who can do something about it. Uh, that's my pitch. More CJ Ham in the backfield on third and longs. I don't think we've seen hardly any of like Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison winning in the receiving game on third and eight this year. So uh, let's just go with the guy who maybe can protect a little better and give your actual receivers a chance to make a play. Like Irv Smith has been the the hot route anyway. Like mm-hmm. it's it. So like what what's the difference if it's Dalvin Cook or CJ Ham back there? I like it. Any anything to get CJ Ham on the on the field more. I, That's I'm also what I'm saying. He's a solid player that the Vikings have almost no use for. Now they did in, against Detroit because they went back to like we cannot spread it out uh, because we cannot successfully do this as a team. So let's go in with some fullback. Let's let's have two in the backfield. Let's have CJ Ham lead block. Like let's play action and throw to tight ends like we always used to do um, before Kevin O'Connell got here. Like it was a ton of that. But it's like okay, nobody wants that to be the answer. And maybe right now that's the best answer with Kirk Cousins in this offensive line, but nobody wants that to be the answer. So try to do what you want to do, Kevin O'Connell, but maybe think of more creative solutions to pull it off. You can do some creative things with the fullback, Kyle Ustek in, in San Francisco. He like, does that. He is oftentimes, they have definitely had Kyle Ustek as the shotgun running back uh, before. Yeah. You know, like, and, often for protection purposes. And, and he can, we've seen with Kyle Juszczyk, like he can toe tap on the sideline. Like CJ Ham's an athlete. Like he's not just like this bruising fullback. Like the, the Gophers used to have a player named Co Keefe. He played tight end. He plays tight end or he plays fullback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now that dude is just a fullback. Like he just, he's a big guy who just is a lead blocker or just like a, basically an extra lineman. CJ Ham is an athlete. So I'm, I'm all in favor of your get him on the field more, Jace. Um, you ought, maybe, maybe we go out to Vikings tomorrow on Wednesday and we don't ask Kevin O'Connell questions. We just tell him, Hey, um, you should well, play CJ Ham more. Here's how you do that. You go, you go and you ask the question, why haven't you used CJ Ham more as the pass protector in shotgun situations? <laughs> it's a question 
but it's just very much like a, here's what I think you should do. Yet, do it. That's how the CJ media Hamm. pushes along their agenda. Yeah, um, I'm just curious in general. Like Kirk's yards per attempt are horrible, horrific, um, and I'm wondering like. Part of that's probably pressure. Part of that's Justin Jefferson's getting taken out, and he's probably the deep route a lot of times. So, like, it leads to, like, Irv Smith check downs. But, like, are we sure that this isn't who Kirk is now? Like, he hasn't – he's always – he's been a guy who's at least had some capability of moving the ball down the field, but I don't feel like we've seen that very much this year. Oh, and he loves the check down. I think, I think a lot of this probably stems from your last point about the pressure, like the interior pressure. I- He's always been a little skittish in the pocket. And I think that that, the more you you deal with that, he's dealt with that throughout his career, but not well. And it's been a plagued issue this this season so far. I think that's why Kirk's just looking to get the ball out quickly, not hang in there. He's hung in a couple times, and he deserves credit for that. He's made some pretty good throws this year while hanging in the pocket. But more often than not, it's like, how can I get this ball away quickly so I don't get smoked? Um, and you, you see things like that when, and it's anecdotal, but it, it, it's become part of Kirk's kind of intestinal being is like third and five, throw the three yard route to Irv Smith. Who's blanketed. Like, it's not always Irv Smith. It's not always a three yard route. Sometimes it's a two yard route. Sometimes it's a four yard route, but Kirk loves to just take that check down because that's where his last read takes him. Um, I think he's just kind of letting himself get to that last read. Maybe not even okay, looking up the field, I'm not going to have enough time to watch that first read develop. Um, probably not the second read either. Let me get over to the third. Nope. Okay, let's throw the check down. Um, he's hung in a couple times this year, but you're starting to see it more and more. Um, he's the check down king. And, and I think like you see some of that um, through three weeks here. You'd, you'd hope it, it, it goes away in, in the next few weeks. I just want to say like he was top 10 in yards per attempt last year at seven and a half. Um, and now he's 27th at 6.4. So like you can say this is always Kirk Cousins, but it's worse. Like it's significantly worse. He's usually not that bad in this area. And now he's through the weeks. He's one of the worst in the NFL. Like it's Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, Daniel Jones territory. Like I almost kind of wondered too, is like, is this dude just 34 years old? Um, I mean, he is 34 years old, but are we starting to see that? come to fruition because this is you can make fun of Kirk for checking down but he also mixed it in with enough shots where like his yards per attempt was pretty good in the past um you know he was in the same territory as Dak Prescott Lamar Jackson Derek Carr Justin Herbert Tom Brady last year and now he's not in that territory whatsoever maybe that's receivers dropping off um maybe that's I don't know um but it's pretty alarming and what was supposed to be kind of the opposite with this new offense so a lot for Kevin Connell to figure out in that passing game um, and different ways to try to fix this. But uh, I think the answer is CJ Ham. You think the answer is Justin Jefferson and we'll, we'll see which we'll see what ends up being the, the way to go. All right. We're going to get to back to the, uh, to the defense after the break. All right. Back with inside purple and gold. Uh, we've just talked about the Vikings passing offense and their struggles and our thoughts on remedies there um, started the show with kind of the, rookie class stock report uh, if you're enjoying what you're listening to please like subscribe follow this podcast um, on any platform that you listen to make sure that you're getting all the episodes onto your phone as soon as they come out um, as we continue to kind of roll in through this season into the week four matchup in london against the saints we will preview that on thursday dane let's get into the defense here um there's probably more to address on this side biggest problems and how you would address it what's your biggest concern right now with this vikings defense the secondary that's always going to be my answer like and i'm not 
entirely sure how to address it right now because like it's just personnel the guys are the guys and whether it's just kind of hubris on the organization's part and thinking like these guys were gonna just get better or it was just like kind of a little bit of malpractice and just not going out and addressing this issue like you kind of made your bed with this this secondary right now and patrick peterson we've kind of ragged on him quite a bit like he's just not a number one corner anymore he's not um he can post whatever he wants on twitter about how he locked up this this you know josh reynolds um on on a deep route on on fourth down or whatever third down on sunday he he posted a a lock lock emoji after one of his highlights and it was like the only play he made all game i mean not to risk too much on him but Pretty good play, but I mean, like, uh, we don't need to just don't post anything. Um, it's okay to say nothing. Um, but like, no, like he, he's just not a number one corner anymore. Cam Danzler, I don't, I, the jury's so still far out on him to me. Like maybe he's just like, just, uh, and is what he is. Like he shows flashes where he looks like a physical corner. He's long, he's rangy, but he just like, doesn't follow the technique that I think that they're they're coaching and I think that's why you see him he got benched in training camp for like a week um he was he was running with the twos um you saw him get benched against the Eagles and the Lions like because for Caleb Evans because he just wasn't doing the right thing like I don't know how good Cam Dantzler is I guess my remedy to the secondary would be like cross your fingers and pray really hard that that Andrew Booth is good and that Andrew Booth is going to come back and be healthy and stay on the field. He showed flashes. Um, We talked a lot about Andrew Booth in the first segment. He was good in training camp when he was on the field. Maybe he's going to be good, um, but he has to stay healthy for, for us to even be able to discuss that. That's my solution. Just hope Andrew Booth is good. Hope you hit on a second round talent. That was probably good enough to be a first round talent. And then maybe give a Caleb Evans, just start working him into the, the fold more. Um, I think he's an unproven commodity, but the other guys are proven kind of in the opposite direction. I'm not saying bench Patrick Peterson. He's still probably one of your best cornerbacks um, just because of the personnel in the room. He's a good veteran in the room, Um, but he's getting beat consistently. Um, Josh Reynolds had almost hundred yards. Amon Ross St. Brown would have guaranteed had hundred yards had had he been healthy um, the whole game on Sunday. Um, You're staring down the shoot of, of Michael Thomas and Chris Alave Sunday in London. Um, Michael Thomas still not sure if he is what he, what he once was, but he's still he's a big play. body. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's suffering injury in that, in the game last week. Um, Chris Olave looks pretty good. They have Jarvis Landry. Um, it's not like a murderer's row of pass catchers. Um, but I think even a group like that could give the Vikings secondary problems. Um, that's my biggest issue with this defense right now. I'm not really sure how to fix it. Yeah, um, I, I think it kind of comes down to the pass rush um, simply because, like, the secondary kind of is what it is. And I I frankly, frankly, like, I, I think their defensive approach is right for this team. Uh, you know, sit back, give up yards, bend, 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 bend. Hope you stop them to a field goal um, and try to hope that you give up, you know, 350 yards, but just 20 points. Um, like, I think that's that's probably the way to go with this group. Uh, but it can be the, the way it gets more effective is if there's more pass rush. And I don't. You know, I don't know if we've seen like I see like Hunter and Zadarius Smith stunting on a lot of plays, um, but they're just not beating tackles. And I do think that might change as the matchups get a little easier. Like Detroit and Philadelphia mentioned this time and again, like top five offensive lines, the both of them. Um, so like mm-hmm. it's not the 
most fair to judge like what Hunter and Smith are doing against those guys, but they weren't making any plays. It's not like, oh, they were limited to just like a couple pressures. Like Jared Goff was pretty clean the entire game. Um, I don't know, move him around, put Smith inside, like do something, like find different answers up front uh, to try to give different looks. We talked about that. I think we saw it more in the Green Bay games. I don't think we saw enough of it against Detroit. Like Daniel Hunter's not winning on the outside. So put him inside right now. Like, I don't, I don't know if the stand-up position, maybe that's just not this place for him. Like, you have to come up with different things. So like, I'm not saying it's Daniel Hunter is the old Daniel Hunter, but he's still the best you've got. So Darius Smith is still the best you've got. Put him in different situations to where they can find different ways to get to the quarterback some. Because this defense, like, this is probably what you have to do with the secondary. But it will never work if there is no pressure up front. And I don't think blitzing is the answer because I do think you'll give up more chunk plays. Um, and that's how you give up 30 points in the game instead of 24. And that's a lot harder to keep up with. But, like you've got to find different ways up front to make something happen. And like, maybe, maybe you send Eric Kendricks more, um, you know, because as we've seen with him on the delayed blitz, he gets home a lot. Um, he might be one of the mm-hmm. best in the NFL at that, frankly, at picking his spot. So like, I don't know, tell him to be even more aggressive there, but you've got to generate more pressure. Um, and I, I don't really know what the solution is either, but I do think like put Zedaria Smith inside, try different things because, you know, maybe get situations where it's like third and nine, like you should have four ends on the field. Um, and, just see what you get because this right now, this no pressure thing is just going to get eaten alive time and again. Yeah. And kind of to that point about maybe just the personnel, it doesn't always have to be DJ Wanham rotating in for Zadarius Smith and, and Daniel Hunter. And, and and we've seen it in spots where those three are on the field together at the same time. I think he leads the team in pressures this year. DJ Wanham does. Um, some of that probably comes from being on the field with a Zadarius Smith and a, and a Daniel Hunter, or maybe both of them at the same time, but keep going to that. Like he's getting home, uh, you know, a couple of times that he has two sacks this year. Um, so you, you, what about blitzing? You don't feel blitzing is, is the right, is the right move. Cause I know you feel pretty strongly that like they have to stay back in coverage. Um, and if you're blitzing, you are inherently not staying back in, in, in this shell coverage. No, I just think we've seen guys get beat too much. Um, we've seen Patrick Peterson get beat a lot. He should have gotten beat for like a 60 yard touchdown. If Josh Reynolds knows the ball is coming and looks up for it. Um, last week, like it's just, it's too common. We saw him get cooked by Christian Watson. Like, I just think if you, if you have these guys get challenged, three times they're going to get cooked for a big play one of those um it's it, that's just the evidence we've seen now if you want to give it a shot um frankly just to say hey fans here we go we're going to give it a try uh we will put them up there and have them you know get up there and go one-on-one against you know yeah like chris Olave, who goes deep pretty much every single play um and see what happens um maybe that'll just be like hey maybe they'll rise up to the challenge maybe uh maybe cam dance was like this is what i've been waiting for this is what i'm good at uh but right now what they're doing is I mean, they're they're winning games unimpressively, but they're they're winning games. I mean, they're keeping point totals low. Like the most points they've given up is twenty four. Um, you can at least live with that. It does stink from like a ball control thing. Like when you're on the field a lot, um, because you're giving up a ton of yards, the offense then isn't on the field a lot. Uh, it is kind of a give and take. But I just think blitzing is not the answer. Um, like I think this thing is broken, but not to a point where maybe even needs fixing, which is. I mean, it needs to be fixed in the off season, not right now, in my opinion. Yeah, kind of goes against our whole uh, our whole last couple of segments where our remedies, the, the offensive remedies exist with get the ball to Justin Jefferson and put CJ Ham and pass pro. Yeah, the remedies don't exist on defense. This just is what they, they they are. What they are. They were a bad defense in the final two years under Mike Zimmer. 
the training camp hype, the Kool-Aid kind of got me. I was like, oh, this could be a top 10 defense if, if, if the pass rush can get home. Surprise, surprise, it can't. And Jace is looking more right in that standpoint where uh, it's probably just going to be a pretty average to be low average defense this year. I am interested, like, I'm not full. I'm not team no blitz completely. I, I would, I think it, you got to mix it in here and there. I mean, I and said I, I like it, when Kendricks comes. Yeah, I guess. But like, I think it's okay. Like send a corner there. And like, if, if you get beat, you get beat. And then I, you, you even said as much like, yeah, if you want to try something different, go ahead. Um, I, I think it's okay to be a little bit different, a little bit multiple. Um, you heard them talk so much this, this off season about how like, Oh, the defense is always going to, we're going to show you one thing before the snap and we're going to be something completely different after it. And like, they're just the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Um, it's easy to kind of dice up when you know, they're just going to sit in umbrella coverage. I understand the give and take of like, well, we're kind of doing that for a reason. Um, to your point about like, just Ben don't break. You heard Patrick Peterson kind of say that after the game. Um, like they did hold the lions to 24 points. The lions were averaging 34 points per game. So like at the end of the day, the defense did their job of like limiting the lions to 10 points less than they were averaging entering the game. Um, so I think when you hear Patrick Peterson say things like that, maybe you're on to something, Jace, maybe that's just going to be the strategy all year. Just, let teams score. Just don't let them score all the all touchdowns all the time. Like they're probably going to march down the field on this defense. It's not that great, but you know, just limit them in, in the moments you have to. It's something the defense did pretty well on Sunday um, for as much as they struggled. They came up with the big fourth and one stop Daniel Hunter. Um, Cam Bynum actually had a pretty good play to diagnose that run. Um, watching back the tape, big, big fourth and one stop. Um, obviously, held on third down and then was aided by Dan Campbell, not going for it on fourth down, kicking a field goal, but the defense did come up with the stops when they needed to on Sunday. Maybe that's something they can do moving forward. I mean, we've seen him. We saw him do it against green Bay. Um, we saw, you know, the goal line stop there. We saw him do it against yeah. Detroit. Like that's two out of three where it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you can, you can let the other team move the ball down the field. But if you make the big plays at the end of drives at the end of games, like that's all you really need. Um, they've done enough right now and frankly like i don't even i think we'd be talking about this as a better unit if the offense was playing better um you know if they were fewer three and out some if, if the offense was putting more together then the defense i think could be even more successful so maybe part of it for the defense is hey offense also play well um because mm -hmm. then it takes some pressure off that unit um to the same degree all right uh, i think that's all we have for this episode on thursday we'll come back and we will talk Saints Vikings preview in London. What do we think about the matchup? What do we think about the Vikings going out so late when the Saints have been there since Monday and the Vikings are arriving on Friday? Who is that advantage? Um, so logistics, football, we're going to break it all down uh, on Thursday's episode as, as we look forward to this week for early Sunday morning, 830 local kickoff affair. Uh, for now, that's all. Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani, Inside Purple and Gold. Thanks so much for listening. Follow, like, subscribe. Make sure you're coming with us for the entire ride of this season. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.